If you would, I want to encourage you to take your Bible out and turn to Ephesians 1 as we continue our series, Grace Made Visible. Today, we're going to be looking at verses 3 through 14 as we look at the topic, Blessed by God's Grace. Now, before we dig into today's text, let me remind you that last week what we saw about this letter of Ephesians is that it was written by the Apostle Paul to faithful Christians living in Ephesus. Now, I'm not going to go back and preach last week's message, so I will not recap all that simple phrase means, but it's important to remember that what he was writing here, he was writing to believers, okay? That will be important uh, as we move on today and we look at what it means to be blessed by God because these words are words reserved for those who are believers. Also, as an interesting observation, if you were to read today in the original Greek text, verses 3 through 14 that we're going to look at today, in the original Greek text, you ready for this? It's one sentence. One sentence. In the ESV that I'm going to be reading from this morning, if I counted it right, it's five sentences in our English language, but in the Greek text, it was one sentence. Now, maybe for some of our English teachers today or those who are simply interested in grammar, maybe you have a tendency to look and say, well, Paul must have just wrote some particularly bad run-on sentence, right? But that's not what Paul did. What Paul was doing here was actually offering up a powerful and important praise to God. As we prepare to look at what Paul wrote, let me ask you a question. What does it mean to be blessed by God? What what does it mean? Now, I'm sure that it's a question that everyone here has pondered in one way or another, right? Maybe you didn't ask it specifically that way, but you've had moments in your life where you've at least asked this, is God blessing my life? I'm even confident that many of you today have at some point used the phrase in your life, I'm blessed, right? Anybody want to say, yeah, that's me, I've used that, right? Y'all can confirm that this morning. If I were to ask you specifically, though, to tell me what it means to be blessed by God, I'm also confident that there would be a range of answers. Not everyone would see the same thing as a blessing. There would be some this morning who look and say, well, I I know I'm blessed by God when I look at the bank account and the amount there is far above what I need to live. In other words, you you say I am blessed by God when financially he has poured a blessing and financially I am doing well. Others would answer that much differently. You would look and say, well, I, I know I'm blessed by God when I'm healthy. You know, when the blood test comes back with all the levels normal or in a healthy range and the doctor says everything looks great to you to have good physical health is what it means to be blessed. Then others consider being blessed by God if things are going well at work or maybe if God has blessed you with a family. Some may consider being blessed by God when everything you attempt is successful or when you achieve a measure of recognition. I may not have hit everything, but most people, when they think about being blessed by God, they think in terms of physical or material things or when things around them are going well. They, they, they feel blessed in, in that way, all right? Now, look at what Paul, though, writes at the beginning of this power sentence praising God. Look what he says, verse 3 in our text, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Now, first, notice that what Paul is really doing here is giving praise to God, as I stated. That's what he's doing. He's lifting up a praise to God. He starts with, in fact, blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you remember from last week, Paul was a man 
who had had his life radically changed by the grace of God. And because of that, he knew that God deserved his praise. He knew he owed his life to God and he wanted to make sure that he returned praise back to God. As he praised God, his praise began by thanking God for blessing him. In in this, Paul made a great recognition that we need to hear. And the point you need to see is that this, that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't have to ask if you are blessed because the answer is a resounding yes. All right. And notice how Paul described this blessing. It is every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Paul didn't say you have some blessing. He didn't even say you have a partial blessing. He didn't say you have a little blessing. He said, as a believer, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. All right. It should be clear to everyone who is a believer that every day you can look at those around you and say, I am blessed. You got that? I have every spiritual blessing from God. Now, here's a key to what Paul said. He made it clear that this blessing is in the heavenly places. If you ask me what that means, I'm going to tell you, I don't really know for sure what all that means. I'm going to be honest with you. I I can tell you this, you being blessed by God as he desires you to be blessed is not based upon the physical or material things around you. You being blessed does not hinge on whether everything goes right at work this week. You being blessed does not hinge on whether you have a financial windfall happen to you this week. You being blessed does not hinge on whether your doctor's appointment goes as planned this week. You being blessed does not hinge on whether everything goes perfect in your life this week. I mean, do I need to remind you that as Paul is writing these words as one who is blessed by God, he is sitting in a jail cell, right? He's sitting in a jail cell saying about his blessing of God. Now, you might not look at Paul and say, I don't consider being in jail, being blessed by God. But Paul did. He really did. In fact, he looked at what he was going through and he said, Listen, I mean, I count this a blessing because think about it. All the people that I've met, I mean, every soldier who took me you know, captive and even put me in chains, everybody I stood before in trial, everybody I had to give my testimony to, he says, because I'm in chains and because I'm in prison, I've had the opportunity to share the gospel with, with people I would not have got to share with otherwise. And so he looked and said, this is being blessed by God. He has me here. He he was able to see it as a blessing because ultimately he knew that his blessing was secure no matter what his circumstances were. In fact, listen to how Paul spoke about difficulties in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, so we do not lose heart, though our outward self is wasting away, our inward self is being renewed day by day. Look at this. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Think about this. Paul was not consumed with what could be seen, but with what was unseen because they are eternal. For believers, we need to know that the blessing that God has poured out on us might not always be seen, but it is complete and it is eternal. All right. Now, if you press me to explain what it means to be blessed in the heavenly places, as I said a few moments ago, I don't know for sure. But here's what I do know as a believer. I don't have to fear death because I am blessed to know that there is an eternal home awaiting for me in heaven. Right. I also can know that I can have peace in my circumstances because I have Jesus interceding for me before the father. 
I know I am blessed because I can call God my Father and know that one day I will be in his presence seeing him face to face. I am blessed knowing that God is working all things together for good for those who love him so I can rest no matter what my circumstances are that God is working for my good. I know I am blessed because God has even given me his Holy Spirit for me every day. In fact, here's what some people believe. Some people believe this statement is pointing us to the Holy Spirit and his work in our life today, all right, that that he's working, all right? Now, again, I may not know what all the spiritual blessings are, but what I can do is take confidence in knowing that God has blessed us and all who are believers in Jesus Christ, hear me, have all you really need in him. You have all you need in him. Even if not everything can be seen right now, you can take confidence in God that he is blessing your life. Now, as Paul continues to praise God, he really goes on to explain how we can have confidence in this blessing and how we can know that God is on our side. He's really continuing to tell us why we should praise God. So look at what he writes next, beginning back in verse four. He says, even as he has chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for the adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Now, there's a lot to unpack here in these verses, right? But let me simply say it this way. You should praise God because he chose you. Praise him because he chose you. This is another one of those places in scriptures where here's what I would encourage you to do. I want to encourage you not to get lost in the weeds or bogged down with things that you cannot fully understand this side of heaven. In fact, there will be those who want to get caught up on that statement that God chose us before the foundation of the world. They want to get caught up on a Calvinistic theology and, and make that the center of everything they believe. Now, here's what cannot be denied. You ready? Here's what cannot be denied. The scripture says clearly here that God chose us before the foundation of time. And again, I don't know fully what that means, but one thing that it does mean is that without God working in your life, okay, you are hopeless. Without God working, you're hopeless. Consider this verse from John 6, 44. Jesus is speaking and he says, no one can come to me unless the father all right, who sent me draws him. All right, Because of sin, hear me. There is a break in our relationship with God, and in ways we seek to avoid God because of that sin, right? But what God does is seek us to draw us to himself. If you want to use the phrase, God seeks to woo us, woo us, I would be okay with that, all right? And I know that statement is a poor and incomplete analogy, but many years ago, when I started taking a liking to Kim, I did everything in the world I could to get her attention. I tried to woo her so she'd like me, right? If I needed to act a little silly to get her attention, guess what? I was not beyond acting silly to get her to like me because I was wooing her to my side, right? I know no other guy's ever done that besides me, right? I'm the only one who's ever done that, all right? But again, I was willing to do whatever it takes. And thankfully, it worked, all right? Hear me. God loves people in spite of their sin. And he works to get their attention in order that they might turn to him. Now, if you ask me, how does God do this? I'm simply going to say that God works in many ways to draw us to himself. I might say this, that God will do whatever it takes to get your attention in order that you might turn to him and love him. We should be thankful for this because, hear me, if God didn't work, if he didn't draw us, if he didn't woo us, whatever phrase you want to use, we could never come to know God. We wouldn't do it on our own. But God has wooed us. He's called us, right? Now, 
I also, though, want to make sure this point is clear. Though God chooses to love us, you have to choose to love God in return. If not careful, we can look at God choosing people and say that, that people have no responsibility. If someone doesn't love God, then someone to blame God and simply say, well, he didn't choose them. Well, if that's your theology of God, all right, if your theology of God choosing you resolves mankind of their responsibility to choose God, then your theology is incomplete, all right? Remember this important truth. Never base what you believe on one verse or one passage of Scripture. Make sure you understand the whole context of Scripture. That's why, by the way, you need to read your whole Bible. So if you didn't make that as a resolution this year, it might be a good one, right? Read it from cover to cover. See, see what all happens, all right? Because remember this truth, all right? We need to consider the whole Scripture. And yes, God chose us as stated by Paul. But Jesus also said this in John 37, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. In other words, Jesus gave an invitation and said, any of y'all thirsty? Anyone? Anyone thirsty? You come. That invitation wasn't given to some. He said, I can see you're thirsty. Why don't you come drink? Oh, well, you're thirsty, come drink. He looked and said, if anyone, anyone is thirsty, you come and drink. Or let's not forget the words of Moses to the people of God in Deuteronomy 30, 19 and following. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today because I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. Hear me. God had clearly chosen the people of Israel. He chose them to be his own. But Moses looked at the people and said this, today I have laid before you life and death. Now you got to choose. Do you want life or do you want death? God may have chosen you and he may want you to experience life, but you have to choose that life. You got that? So even though God has chosen, people have to choose God. Now, let's also make sure we realize fully what God has chosen us to. Look back at Paul's words again in verse four. He says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. God hasn't chosen people to, 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 to be where they are and continue living as they are living. God has chosen people to be holy and blameless before him. Now we all go silent, right? <laughs> I'll say more about that in the weeks to come. But for this morning, let's acknowledge this, that if you choose to live for God, your life, like Paul, should be different, right? There should be this holy and blameless quality about your life. Now, I know as I say that, some of you are going to cringe knowing the life that you've lived. So let's move on to what Paul said next. He says in verse 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. These are some powerful words because what we all know is that none of us this morning on our own stand holy and blameless. All right. Are we not all the opposite of that? Right? I know I am. And there is often much about me that is not holy. And there's much that I can be blamed for. In fact, I know this week, this, just this week, just this week, as I made my way down the interstate highway today, I know there was one time, maybe two times, maybe three Maybe four, maybe five times. I don't know that my speedometer went over 70. I, I was guilty this week of speeding. I make that confession to y'all today, right? 
I know I'm the only one that's ever done that. All right, so I'm just, I'm just making that confession before you, but I know even in that, right, that little, little thing this week, I failed, right? I messed up. I wasn't holy. I wasn't blameless. I mean, I broke the law. I, I'm a lawbreaker standing before you today. Will you forgive me? All right, all right I hope so, all right? But here's what I know. If, if, if I were to take up one of these mics today and I was passing it around the room and say, did you mess up any this week? Was there anything wrong you did this week? Guess what? Guess what? We would all be here a long time because every one of us would have plenty to share. Amen. Most of you would say, I don't think I want to share that this week. All right. You want to keep it silent. You don't want to share even what you did wrong. But, but here's what I know. Okay. For most of this week, we've not been holy. We've not been blameless. Am I right? Yes, I am. You can go ahead and say that. You've already said it. I, I, it can be depressing when we think about our sin. In fact, that's what it is. It's sin. However, looking at this reality is where the good news of these verses come into us. Because look at what it says again, verse 7. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. God deserves our praise today because he has made a way for us to be forgiven of our sin. And I'll say it to you this way. You should praise God because you've been redeemed through the blood of Jesus. And I want you to think about this statement for a moment because... I really think there are times when we fail to understand the greatness of what God offers to us through Jesus. Here's what God doesn't do. God doesn't look at us and say, I've got an eraser. What you're saying, oh, it's gone. I think that's sometimes what we think God does. Oh, I forgive God, so he takes out his eraser. He just erases a sin. Never happened, it's gone, right? That is not what God did. Do you understand this? I want you to capture this this morning because what God did was much greater than taking a racer to our sin and say it is gone. That is not what redemption is. The definition of redemption is this, to release on payment of ransom. In other words, you are being held captive with a payment being demanded for your release and so the only way to be free is for the ransom to be paid. Think about what Jesus said in John 8, 34. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a what? A slave to sin. We all fit at one time into this category. We were slaves to sin. And hear me, ready? Sin demanded a ransom. Sin wasn't going to just let us go free. A ransom had to be paid. And, and that ransom, and the ransom that sin required was death, as it says in Romans 6:23, for the wages of sin is death. If you want, I could say the ransom required because of our sin is death. Here's what it means to be redeemed. You ready? God looks at your sin, and let, let's start really easy this morning. Let's say it's lying. So he, he's got the, the ledger of your life out. He pulls your name and sin. Oh, lying. So what he does next is he looks at the next line and says, oh, so, so what is the, what's the payment for that sin? Lying. It's death. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he goes to the next one and says, oh, Jesus died for you. Ransom paid. Maybe in yours, it's not lying. 
Maybe your sin is adultery. If you've repented and given your life to Jesus, it is the same. God looks at the ledger book. What do you owe because of that sin? It's death. He then goes next to it if you're a believer and says, all right, paid in full by the blood of Jesus. Gossiping, paid in full by the blood of Jesus. Lust, paid in full by the blood of Jesus. Do you get what I'm saying? See, see, what I want you to see here is when Jesus forgives you, it is not a simple thing. He didn't use an eraser and say sin is gone. For you to be forgiven by God, Jesus had to give his life, and that is not a simple thing. We should never let that become complacent in our life. And God deserves our praise for such a sacrifice. He really deserves our life because by paying our ransom, hear me, Jesus set us free from sin so that we could live for him. You understand that? If he didn't pay your ransom, you wouldn't be set free from sin. You would still be slaves today. And that is not a little thing. Now, why does God offer to us redemption? Look again at what Paul wrote next here as he goes on to say in verses 7 again. He says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to what? The riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Man, I love this, all right? Paul writes some good stuff here. It's a pretty good sentence, right? He forgives according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. There's that word grace we've been talking about, that word grace we've been singing about. God's grace was made visible to us through Jesus. God didn't only display his love to us through Jesus, but it's also his grace. God doesn't, listen, God doesn't offer you forgiveness because of who you are or because you deserve it. All right, God offers you forgiveness because of his grace that he is lavishing upon all those who believe. And again, don't overlook that word lavish, okay? What God has done, what God wants to do is a lavish thing. He has done it with wisdom and insight, Paul said. What, what, what Jesus did wasn't God just looking and saying, you know, man, mankind, they've messed this thing up. I gotta come up with something, all right? Sometimes maybe that's what we think Jesus did. I mean, we messed it up, so God had to say, I gotta come up with something. That's not what it was, God didn't look and say, well, I got to come up with something. You understand something, all right? That, that this was God's plan from the beginning. What, what Jesus did wasn't God grasping for straw. What God did through Jesus, he did purposely with wisdom and insight. In fact, if we were to read verses 9 and 10, they remind us that what God did through Jesus in redeeming us was the mystery of his will that he had made known and that it was his plan from the beginning. And it was a plan to unite all things in him. God knew how we would mess things up. God knew that we would cause our relationship with him to be broken and the relationship with the others to be broken. But he had a plan from the beginning to make things right. And that plan was Jesus, the perfect son of God being offered as the only sacrifice that could pay the price of our sin. Now, some of you, after hearing this, might want to ask, well, how do I know that this is God's plan? And how do I know even I've been made right with God? Well, look at the promise to those who believe in verse 11. He says, in him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Again, I know that there's a lot we could unpack in these verses. 
It's hard to believe that this was all one sentence in the Greek, but in these final verses for this morning, here's what we need to see is that you should praise God because he has given you the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Paul just said that we were redeemed in Jesus. And now he says, because of this redemption, you have obtained an inheritance in him. Now, we all know what an inheritance is, right? Y'all know what that is, right? It's what was passed down to us from our parents, what we received from them. God has said that in Christ, we have received an inheritance from him. When Peter spoke of us being saved in Jesus, he said, in part, we were born again, but he said, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. See, God has an inheritance waiting for all of those who believe. It is an inheritance that will last. Some in this room have probably received an inheritance at some point in your life. I want to ask you, how long did it take you to blow that inheritance? All right, don't answer that question. All right, in reality, the answer is partly affected by how big the inheritance was, right? I mean, if your inheritance was 10 bucks, probably didn't take you too long, right? I mean, now, if your inheritance, though, was a million, it should have taken a little bit longer. In fact, if you received that much inheritance, I hope you'd still have some, right? Now, God says when you are redeemed by Jesus, you are given an inheritance, and it is an inheritance, here, you ready? That lasts for eternity, it includes eternal life and all that that offers. And one of the parts that, that is this, is this, that one of these days, we get a glorified body. Hear me. A glorified body that is no longer prone to disease. Here's my favorite part. No longer given to sin, right? That's perfect in every way. I'm waiting for that day, aren't you all? I mean, when I look at this, I'm like, man, I got a lot to, God, man, I got, whoo, man, I just need that perfect body, Right? I'm excited about that. Now, here, here's what, I, I, what we need to know, all right? I, I, I know I haven't received that inheritance fully yet, and you haven't either, but here's what I know. That inheritance is mine. One day, I will receive all that God has in store for me. For some, that might depress you to think that you've not received all that God has for you yet. This is where it's important to understand what Paul is saying, because even though the fullness of your inheritance is not received yet, what he has given you already is great. All right, look at what he says again. Verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. What God has given us until we get our full inheritance is the Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of what is to come. And what the Holy Spirit does is ultimately, ready, empower you to live for God. We can read in the Scripture about how the Holy Spirit leads us into truth, about how the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, how the Holy Spirit gives us gifts to serve God. The Holy Spirit does so many things, but ultimately, He works on our lives so that our lives might be lived in a way that we are living to the praise of the glory of God. See, the Holy Spirit helps us to live for God. Let me remind you, all right? You get the Holy Spirit when you hear the word of truth and you believe. And that what Paul said? When you've heard the word of truth and you believed, you got the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is part of what being a believer is. And if the Holy Spirit is not at work in your life, then I'm here to tell you, you're not a believer. Anyone who's a believer should understand what it means to have the Spirit at work. Now, I'll say this. Sometimes we resist his work. Do we not? 
We don't want to confess the sin that he's shown us. Sometimes we resist his work when we don't do what he has shown us as God's will. But if you are a believer, you should understand his work in your life, which is really God saying, you are mine. The Spirit is there working so that you know you are God's. Even though the Spirit's work can challenge us at times, it should really encourage us and strengthen us because of the Spirit's work. You should praise God saying, I know I'm his, right? Now, all all that we looked at so far in this powerful sentence written by Paul is a lot to take in, is it not? Go ahead and shake your head this way. I'll be honest with you. I could have probably preached about five sermons from this one sentence because there's so much here. So, so, so here's what, what I want to do. He's given us a lot. And so as I, as I, was, as I was studying this week, and, and, and honestly, at some, one point in time, I was a little bit overwhelmed. I said, man, there's a lot. How am I going to do this? There's a piece at some point came up over my life because it's like God says, hey, hey Scott, I, I, I just want to give you something that, 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 to share that I believe is going to touch some people's lives. All right, here, here it is, all right? Because as I was studying, God gave these practical words about this text that we all need to consider. Because looking back over what Paul said in this one long sentence, we can discover this, that God has taken care of our three greatest fears. Think about this. Fear number one is already up there. Many of you today, you feel unlovable or you fear being unloved. The good news is God chose you. God looked at you and he says, I I love you. And there should be no question about that. All through these scriptures, God is telling us he loves us. We can go to John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, right? That he gave his only son. We we can go to Romans 5, 8, where we're told there, even while we were still sinners, Christ or God demonstrated his love for us and that Jesus died for us All, all over these scriptures. Here's what God is telling every one of you. He loves you and he has chosen you. And if you're here this morning and you have this fear of, man, I, I'm never going to be loved, or you, have, you feel like nobody can ever love you, the good news is God has already said, you are chosen, you are loved. You need to put that to rest. It doesn't matter if anybody else loves you. The good news is this, the most important person loves you. Loves you so much, he sent Jesus to die so your relationship could be right with him. Number two is this. Some of you feel unforgivable. Your fear today is, I've done something that can never be forgiven. The good news is, is Jesus redeemed you. Whatever sin, hear me, whatever sin had you captive, Jesus died to set you free from that sin. And in case today, some of you are looking and say, well, you know, here's what I believe. I I don't think God can forgive me because my sin, I mean, it just just increased and I've got such such a great sin in my life. There's no way God could ever forgive me. Remember what it says in Romans 5, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So if you think today that sin in your life increased to the point that you cannot be forgiven, you can be assured of this, that God's grace abounded even greater. All right? It's abounded to meet the depth of your sin. God's grace far surpasses your need. And this forgiveness, as we saw, is available because Jesus paid for your sin. And let me go and say this. The price Jesus paid is high enough to cover the cost of any sin. No doubt you are forgivable because of Jesus. Number three, some of you feel incapable. Well, the good news is the Holy Spirit empowers you. If you're here today and you have this fear that I can never be used by God, 
If you look at your life and say, I, I have nothing to offer, my life has no purpose, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that's false. Because according to Paul, as we read earlier, if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit, and that Spirit works in your life for the praise and the glory of God, which means this, he will empower you to make a difference for him in this world. Do you hear me? Some, here's what some of you need. Some of you need to rest this morning in knowing that your three greatest fears are taken care of. Right? Maybe you want to deny it, but I know that's where some of you are this morning. Again, you don't feel loved. I mean, you don't feel forgivable. You don't feel like you can make a difference. You, you, you're incapable. God looks at you this morning in this one sentence, and he gave you one sentence, one sentence that says, all of that's wrong in me. I've taken care of all those fears. Now rest in me. I'm going to give one closing thought this morning, and it's this. The key to all that Paul said is you have to be in Christ to experience this blessing. I, I want you to do something this afternoon because I, I didn't have time to do it. I, I want you to go back, read verses, you know, th 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 these verses together, 3 to 14, this one sentence, and here's what I want you to do. Every time you see in him or in Christ, I want you to underline it, okay? It's okay to write in your Bibles. If you're learning about God, take it a little something or highlight it. Every time it says in Christ or in him, you just see and see how many times it appears in this one sentence. And here's what it's gonna remind you of, all right? That it is faith in Jesus what we need. Because if you have in faith in Jesus so that he is your Lord and Savior, then you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. In other words, you have all the blessing you need. Now, therefore, as we come to the invitation, I want to ask you a question. Are you in Jesus? If not, the invitation is clear. What you need to do today is place your faith in Jesus Christ. And here's what I would do. I would invite you to come this morning and let someone explain to you further, if necessary, about how you can give your life to Jesus. When we close, when I get finished preaching, I got to go because I'm, I'm preaching at South Wilson today, so I got to hit the road, but Brother Jacob's going to be here, and he would love to talk with you and tell you about how Jesus wants to be your Savior, how Jesus wants to be your Lord, and if he's not available, there are others. I guarantee even this, uh, I'll put him on, Luke would stop playing his guitar to come down and tell you about Jesus. We got folks all around it, so if you're not in Christ, today is the day to come and give your life to Jesus, but let me say this, if you're already in Jesus I want to challenge you today. Here's what I want to challenge you today is consider all what it means that you are blessed by God's grace. What Paul is writing here, hear me, is the foundation. This is the foundation to all that we're going to look at the next few weeks as we go through the rest of Ephesians. This is the foundation. And here's what I know. If you don't have a strong foundation, the rest of it's going to crumble, Right? It's not going to make sense the next few weeks if you don't get this. But if you are a believer, you are in Christ. So let me challenge you to consider all that Paul says to you so that you understand this morning how blessed you are. Because if you understand the blessing you already have, you will be able, you'll be ready to hear the challenge that Paul gives us in the weeks ahead. You will be ready to hear all that God wants to say to you. So I don't know this morning where you land in Christ or not. But what I know is this. God's had a word for you today. And will you respond to him? Will you bow with me, Father, as we bow into your presence at this time, as again, as we prepare for this invitation, I thank you for this powerful sentence by Paul that really reminds us we have all the reason to give you praise today, Lord, and it's because you've blessed us in Christ.
For those here today that don't understand or know that blessing, I pray this will be a moment they'll come and place their faith in Jesus, the one who died for them, so that they too might have that blessing in their life. So I pray in this moment you'll move and speak to hearts. But for all of those who would say they're in Christ and they know you, God, my prayer today is they to understand fully what that means and they would live in that blessing because so often, God, we live as if we're not blessed when we truly are. So Father, help us to truly live for you today. And so even in these moments, if there's a believer who has come in discouraged, maybe even doubting your love for them because of their circumstances, may they today be uplifted. May they be encouraged knowing that in Christ, they've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. So let your spirit again move in these moments and may people respond to you in Jesus' name, amen.